I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad to be back, able to share with you uh, again. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, I've been up here, but have enjoyed um, hearing the other messages and always thankful for having other folks who can come in and, and preach the Word and teach us um, about the Word. And so very thankful uh, for those, for Justin and, and Mr. Butch who filled in um, the last couple of weeks and, and really did an awesome job. Um, and so i um, thankful for that. Um, I'm excited to see where we're going um, and, and really looking at how God is, is working and putting things in order. I know it's summertime, so a lot of people are here and there. We're all a little bit scattered. Uh, so uh, some of these things that we're talking about now, um, you may be getting bits and pieces of them. But coming up, we're going to kind of come back and summarize some of these things we've been looking at over the last few weeks so that we can all get on the same page and hopefully you don't miss the summary, right? Um, but we'll, we'll try to pull some of this stuff together so we can see it because one of the things that excites me about this is I feel like God is building us towards something. It's not just disjointed messages or even series of messages that really aren't going anywhere. They're just sort of um, their own thing in space or in time. I really feel like the Lord is building us towards something, and so I'm excited about that. Um, and today, we're going to continue this. We're going to try something a little different today. You probably noticed I've got my computer up here. Never done this before, so you're going to be guinea pigs, okay? But today, I'm actually going to try to control the slides up there um, and and See how this goes. So it could be a train wreck, or it could be the best ever, right? Let's believe for the best ever, and we'll see what happens. Um, and so anyway, I, I want to kind of catch us up on a few things. I want us to be begin to hear some things over and over again. Um, and and one, one of those things is our purpose. And I want to put this up on the screen. I, I want to encourage you guys, listen. Uh, with two things. One of those is, br is bring a Bible with you when you come on Sunday. We're going to use it every Sunday. I, I pray that there will never be a Sunday we don't open this, right? Um, and so we're going to use it. I want to encourage you to bring it with you. I also want to encourage you, write some things down. If all we're doing is me talking and you listening, I know that God's Word does not return void, but I also believe that God's word can have greater effect in our life when we in internalize and process what we hear. And so I would encourage you with this, write some things down, go back and visit them in your time with the Lord, look at the scriptures again and, and really begin to internalize, ask God to speak to you out of these scriptures. Don't just let me be the voice of God to you you hear God's voice. You can do that now because Jesus has made a way for you to go to the Father. You don't need someone else to stand between you and God. You can hear him, right? And so bring a Bible. Write some things down. I hope that I will say something that is noteworthy. Maybe just one thought that you take with you and you process and you internalize and you go back and you search it and you Look at Scripture and you begin to think about it, ponder it, meditate on it so that God can begin to grow us up, okay? So the first thing I want to do today is I, I want us to look at uh, our purpose, okay? Our purpose 
to fulfill our original purpose by filling the earth with God's image and governing the earth, it, in a way that is glorifying to him. And we've talked about this in the past from Genesis 1, 26 through 28, um, all the way to where we get to Matthew 24, 14, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Acts 1, 8, Jesus's last words to us on earth as he leaves. He, he is describing this purpose that has not changed from the beginning of time. So this is our purpose. This is the church's purpose. This is what we exist for, Right? to glorify God in all the earth, to renew the face of the earth. If we're gonna see this happen, I believe there's two things that have to happen. So I want us to be thinking in terms of two goals, okay? Two goals. One is that the church grows to spiritual maturity in Christ, that we grow into the fullness of Christ, that, that, that we, the body, grow to maturity, that we don't stay in a state of perpetual infancy, but we grow up in him. The Bible talks about that. Justin, the scripture he just read out of 2 Peter, spoke to that very thing, that we grow in God's grace and in the knowledge of Jesus, that we would grow up in our faith. We're gonna look at another scripture that talks about that. The second goal is that the church moves from the pastoral or this dependency model of ministry. You've seen this before. We're going to get sick of looking at this. But the one on the left where everything is dependent upon the staff, everything is dependent upon um, the, the church, listen, the institutional church to make it happen. We've got to grow into a place where we get to that top blue box on the right where every part of the body does its work. We've got to see that we are all ministers if we're in Christ. We need to reclaim and redeem that word. A minister is not someone called pastor. A minister is not someone with a white collar. A minister is not someone with a bunch of letters behind their name. A minister is anyone saved by Christ and doing service in his name. And we've got to reclaim that if we're gonna see our purpose fulfilled. And so in doing this, we've been taking and we started on this left side with the foundation. And here's some of my awful graphic arts, right? But we started looking at these cracks in the foundation. You may have noticed something there. Um, there's four instead of three. We started with three. Now it's growing. I was praying this week. I felt like the Lord showed me like we were missing something. And we're looking at these different cracks, these different pieces of the, the foundation that we have to be clear on. And the very first one is that there's no clear call to follow Jesus. This is what we've been looking at. We're gonna continue looking at this morning. The second one is no clear call to, the, to fullness in Christ. No clear call to grow up in Jesus. No clear call to know who we are in Christ. No clear call to know how we've been gifted in Christ, how we function in the kingdom. No clear understanding that we've been transferred from the kingdom of light or darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's son. And so we've got to come to a full understanding and a clear call to grow in that. The third one, no clear call to Jesus' people or the church. And the fourth one, no clear call to Jesus' mission. And we're going to take it slow because we want to fill in these cracks. We want this foundation to be solid. And then we can build off of that. But today, I want to answer this question. Is it worth it? 
Is it worth it? Before we do this, I want to pray for us. And I want you to know my heart in slides or computer, any of this. My heart in all of this and my prayer even while we worshiped was this, that God would open the eyes of our understanding. That we would begin to see and understand, all of us begin to see and understand more of what God has for us, more of who he is, and that we would grow in his grace and in the knowledge of him. Not a cold academic exercise, but a living, breathing relationship with Jesus and with each other. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your word and your truth. God, as we open your word, I pray we understand, Lord, it's it's not just black letters on a white page or red letters on a white page, God. This is something that that emanates from you. God, it's God-breathed. It came from you, Lord. So I pray that today, God, your spirit would take this word and as living and active as it is, it would open our understanding to see more clearly who you are. God, help us to know you better, to fall in love with you more, to see the depth of your grace and love that you have for us. And God, let us come to this place where we understand that not even the gates of hell can separate us from you. Not even death itself can separate us from you. And God, because of your love that you've poured out on us and that truth that nothing can separate us from you, God, I pray we would follow and pursue you with everything in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the question, and we can probably just leave that up there for a a few minutes. Um, Is it worth it? Okay, is it worth it? And we need to really define that. We, we need to define what it is. There's, there's two it's in this, so we need to really answer the question, what is it? What is it? And there's two of those in here, so is it worth it? What are we talking about? I think we can decide somewhat in our heart if it's worth it by defining those it's. And here's the thing we're going to do is um, we're going to define each of those. And then we're going to begin with the second one first to describe it a little further. So here's what I would say this looks like. Is it worth it? Is following Jesus worth taking up my cross and denying myself daily? How many of you are here last week? Mr. Butch talked about this, right? The second it taking up my cross, denying myself daily. And I want to look at that just a little bit further. Look at Matthew chapter 16 this morning. This is one of the passages that Mr. Butch used last week. I want to revisit it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 is where we're going to begin. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he's about to predict his death. Jesus says, by the way, anyone who can predict their death and resurrection and pull it off, there's something special about that person, isn't there? 
Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and when he and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And I want you to think about this because um, sometimes this seems like a really hard teaching for us. That we're to take up our cross and deny ourselves, die daily to follow Jesus. And sometimes we look at that and, and it seems to kind of feel like a, a burden to us. But I want you to understand it's important. If it weren't important, Jesus wouldn't have talked about it so much. If it weren't important, it wouldn't be in here. We need to understand that it's absolutely crucial and necessary for us to do this. But I also want you to remember this. The gospel is what? The gospel is the good news. The good news. There is nothing about the gospel that is bad news. So when I look at this and I begin to understand that taking up my cross and denying myself daily is part of the gospel truth, then I have to come to this and filter it through the fact that somehow this is good news. And see, it's teaching us, I don't have to live for me anymore. There's a better way, but it's absolutely necessary. We can't gloss over it. Listen, this is not in the Bible to bring us to a place of condemnation, okay? Listen, it's not there to make us look at ourselves and go, well, I'm awful, man. I I don't do that. It's not there to condemn us. It's there to bring us to a place of freedom. It's there to bring us to a place of life. It's there to bring us to life, not to come and attempt to rob us. But many times we look at this as something that, I just got to deny myself. No. Why do I deny myself? Why do I die daily? Why do I take up my cross? It goes back to the first it, to follow Jesus. With that in mind, I I want us to look now at the first it that's there. Following Jesus. Is following Jesus worth it? How many of you have ever watched a game show, Let's Make a Deal? Anybody ever watched it? All right, put your hands up, like like for real, put your hands up if you've ever watched Let's Make a Deal. All right. How many of you, no, leave them up. All right, now, how many of you actually like Let's Make a Deal? I thought at least half the hands would go down. It's kind of a weird show in a way, isn't it? People dress up in weird costumes and stuff, and then they come, I I don't know, it's just kind of weird. But anyway, I was thinking about this this week, and sometimes when I go to the gym, um, and if I go up and get on like a treadmill or elliptical, something like that, they'll have it, it'll be on one of the TVs, Let's Make a Deal. 
And so I got to thinking about that, and I was like, you know, this is in a lot of ways how we approach the gospel. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's asking the same question as we're asking today. So what happens is these people come up, and they, are, are, they, they have an opportunity. You can take this, or you can take what's behind, like, door number two, Right? That how it operates a lot of times, they have this. I saw one one time where they were giving people like $500 or $1,000. And then they were like, okay, you can have the $1,000 or you can take what's behind door number two. Which one do you want? And so in it, they're, they're sitting there with the, the, what's in their hands and they're having to make a decision. Is it worth it to give this up to have that? By tracking? Is it worth giving this up to have that, Right? And so in a way, we look at this and answering the question, is it worth it, is kind of that same way. Is it worth it to give this up in order to have what's behind door number two? And here's where it gets challenging when we approach the gospel in that way. Because for many of us, we look at it and all the gospel is for us is that transaction, okay? I'll do this if Jesus does this. Or I'll do this if it's gonna be like this. And what we have to see is that it's the gospel and, our, and coming to faith in Christ is not this just simply a transaction, it's much more than that. We're not asking this question, is it as in um, making the transaction of, uh, you know, securing a place in heaven worth dying daily and following Jesus? That's not what we're asking. There's a greater meaning to that first it. There's a greater meaning to what Jesus offers. But if we approach it just as a transaction, then it becomes a momentary thing. I did this, I raised my hand, I said a prayer, I came to faith, Jesus then did this, wham, it's over. But there's so much more to this than a transaction to go to heaven or to gain eternal life. I want you to see this in the gospel of Mark. If you turn from Matthew over one gospel, one book to Mark chapter 10. We're looking at this and asking the question, is it worth it? Is following Jesus worth denying myself, dying to myself, taking up my cross and following him daily? Is it worth it? We're gonna look at one who decided really and truthfully that it wasn't. In verse 17, in Mark chapter 10, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now think about that question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Is that not a transactional question? What do I have to do to get up there? What do I have to do? It, it still puts it back on us. What do I have to do to get there? Isn't that how so many people in church today approach Jesus? 
that the point of this relationship is not the purpose we looked at. The goal of, of, of walking in Christ is not what we looked at with those two goals. Listen, it's just a transaction. If I can do this, what do I have to do? What's the minimum I can do in order to get there? And we look at it and, and then we hear we've got to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and we go, well, I really don't know if what I already have is worth giving up to have what Jesus offers. He goes on and Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered him in that way and says, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy, which I sincerely doubt, right? You think he kept those perfect? You think when he was 13, he never talked back to his parents? Jesus looked at him, and, and listen, this is huge, and this is why I'm reading this out of Mark. The other gospels, and, and Matthew and Luke, they, they, they talk about this. But this is only mentioned in Mark. Verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and what? Loved him. So is Jesus trying to run this guy off? No. Jesus loves him. Jesus wants to be with him. And then Jesus says to him, because Jesus knows like his imperfection, he, he knows he hasn't kept all those things and he knows what he's still lacking he says one thing you lack go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me at this the man's face fell in other words his countenance fell his whole um, look on his face it fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth did Jesus want him to be sad? Did Jesus want him to go away dejected? Did Jesus want him to go away sorrowful? Absolutely not. Jesus loved him. Jesus wanted him to come and do what? What was the last thing he said? Come and follow me. Why did Jesus want him to do this? Because he loved him. Jesus wanted to give him life. You remember last week, we, Mr. Butch looked at this, that if we try to save our life, we'll lose it. But if we'll lose our life for Jesus' sake, we'll find it. It's just what we have in our hand and we look at it and we go, I don't know if that's true. Oh my gosh, I really, I can't see through the door of the future, that door number two, and know that what's on the other side is really worth giving up what I have. But here's the crazy thing for us in this life. The things we try to guard so hard, the things we try to keep on our plate that hinder us from following Jesus, those are the very things we complain about because they stress us out the most right but we can't get it through our thick skull anybody else got a thick skull in here hard-headed we can't get it through our head that if I'll just follow I'll find life and Jesus isn't calling us listen if it's just a momentary transaction then why what why would I die daily I've already got it And listen, I don't follow and die daily 
so that I will be saved. I follow and die daily and take up my cross so I can continue in the presence of the one who saved me. You see that? That's a huge point now. I don't take up my cross because if I go to my cross, I can save me. No, 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 no. When I die, it frees me from this stuff and this life that binds me, stresses me, holds me back so that I can follow him and truly find life. Jesus is not trying to confine him. He's trying to set him free. So I want you to understand this. I want you to see this today. That when we talk about following Jesus, let's put that last slide back up real quick. No, it's right there. Never mind. My bad. Is following Jesus worth taking up my cross and denying myself daily? Let's further, re further define following Jesus. What does that mean? It means continuing in Jesus's presence. What was Jesus inviting this man to do? He was inviting him to continue with him. What does we see? Where do we see that again in scripture where Jesus is telling us to stay with him? In John chapter 15, he says, abide in me and you'll produce much fruit, abide in me. The word abide means to continue with. What's Jesus calling us to? To continue in his presence, to continue with him, leaving these things behind that hinder us from coming to life in him, giving up what's in the hand because we trust what's in his word. So is it worth it? Is it worth it? How do I know, listen, how do I know that it's worth giving up what's in my hand for what's behind the door of the future? How do I know that what I already have is not better than what Jesus offers? Really, isn't that kind of where the rubber meets the road? How do I know? Let's, let's go to one more passage of scripture, 1 Peter Chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 17. Let's read this. If you go and you flip on through the Gospels, you got to keep trucking. If you see the book of Hebrews, you come to James and you'll come to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So he's saying, in other words, our works are going to be judged one day. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And so he's saying, listen, this was not some cheap sacrifice, even if we look at gold and silver as being valuable, he's saying this was with something that's not imperishable. This was, or that is not perishable, it's imperishable. This is the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus that was given so you can have life. 
Verse 20, it says, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Now listen to this, through him, so through Jesus, through the work of Christ, through the work of the Spirit, opening our eyes to see who he is. It says, through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. For all people are like grass and all their glory It's like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, I want us to look at this because I think this is huge in whether or not we're going to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus, if we're gonna continue in his presence. The very first thing I want you to see is there, and we need to put this up, is in 1 Peter uh, 1.17, beginning in 1.17, but going to verse 21. It says, through him you believe in God. In other words, the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes. We heard the gospel preached. We understand now who Jesus is. And through faith, I've believed in who Jesus is. I've come to faith in him. What's the next thing it says? It says, now you've purified yourself. And in purifying yourself, you've experienced the love of God. You've experienced, you've come to faith. That's, that's the purifying work of Jesus in your life. And he says, now you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. But then in verse 23, let's look at this. It says, for you have been born again. What happened when you came to faith? You were born again. In other words, Jesus took you from death to life. You experienced his love. You experienced his spirit. His spirit came into you, giving you a new heart and a desire for him. And so you experienced the love of God. You experienced the power of his grace and his work on the cross, lifting off your sin. And if you've ever been in that place where when you came to faith and you you knew my sins have been separated from me as far as the east is to the west. It is the most unbelievable thing. You can't even wrap your mind around it because I don't deserve it, but it's the reality of God. And so I'm born again. I I come alive. And listen, when I come alive and I experience his love and his grace through faith, I taste that the Lord is good. See, dying to myself and taking up my cross and and even following or continuing in Jesus' presence, it makes no sense to us if we've never tasted that the Lord is good. But when I taste that the Lord is good, I crave more. I want more. It's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. I just want to know him. It's crazy how we can be satisfied in Christ and yet long for more. But I begin to crave more and I begin to grow to maturity. I begin to grow up. I don't stay an infant. 
I began to grow. How do I grow? I'm continuing in his presence. How did those first disciples grow? They continued in his presence. They walked in his presence. He taught them. He loved them. He showed them his power, the power of his grace. He showed them their value and worth. He showed them the giftings and functions he had called them to. He taught them and then he filled them with the Holy Spirit. They grew. And then the last thing he says is get rid of anything that hinders relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with each other, relationships even with yourself. You know, I don't have a relationship with myself. Are you healthy and whole inside? Are, are you living in the fullness of Jesus inside? Are you solid in who you are in Christ inside? Are you still blown by the wind of culture? trying to do everything that culture tries to say. One of the biggest, and this is one of the things you should probably write down and think about later. One of the biggest issues in the church and the Christian life today is that we are blown by the wind of culture. We're not led by the Holy Spirit. But we have to get rid of anything that hinders relationship with God, a healthy walk with myself, a healthy understanding of myself in Christ in relationships with other people. And so we have to get to this place. This is where we, how we grow. But how does it begin? I taste that the Lord is good. How do I know that the future with God and following Jesus and continuing in his presence is worth more than what I have in my hand? I've tasted that the Lord is good. I've received of his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee or the seal on my life until the day that he comes back. It says that the Holy Spirit is the deposit in my life that tells me I'm gonna get the rest when the day comes. And, and here's the thing, the Holy Spirit gives us a taste of what's to come. And if what I've tasted is so good, how can what's behind the door in the future not be even better? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is continuing in Jesus's presence worth giving up my life, worth giving up my agenda, worth giving up my time? Is it worth it? If you can, flip to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Is it worth it? If you look at Hebrews 11, I'm not gonna read the whole chapter, but he talks about what some of the Old Testament people, some of the people who were before Christ did by faith. These were believers in God who in some ways, they, they even foresaw Christ. But it talks about Noah, it talks about Abraham. If you go on down, it talks about Isaac, it talks about Jacob, it talks about Moses, it talks about the whole people of Israel passing through the Red Sea. It talks about once they got across the, the Jordan River and Jericho fell, the faith they had in that. It talks about the prostitute Rahab. And it goes on and it mentions Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, whatever his name was, David, Samuel, all of these different people. And listen, you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. In reference to these people, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Who are the witnesses? 
the people in Hebrews 11. He's saying, continue on. They're witnesses. Listen, it's not that they're witnesses from the standpoint of they're sitting up there like eating a bag of popcorn watching us. No, they're witnesses to the power of God. And, and let me ask you this. If you went to Abraham, Samson, Gideon, um, Deborah, Rahab, uh, if you went to Jacob or Isaac or you went to Moses and you asked them, is it worth it to by faith walk with God? What would they say? Absolutely. What about this one? What about this is it worth it? Listen to this. It says, and let us run with perseverance to race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of, the throne of God. Let me ask you this, in reference to Jesus, was it worth it? Was him taking up his cross worth it? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What joy was there in the wrath of God falling on him as he took our sin upon himself, was separated for the first time from his, his father, um, truly experienced death and hell. Was it worth it to him? It says in Hebrews 12, it says that for the joy set before him, there was no joy in the cross. What was his joy? His joy was on the other side of the cross when he was reconciled with his creation was it worth it to Jesus if you went to Christ right now seated at the right hand of the father having given his life for us having died for us having taken our sin and the wrath of God and you said Jesus was it worth it what do you think he'd say does that not kind of bring tears to your eyes a little bit that as many times as I don't take up my cross and I don't follow, he still looks at us and he says, yes, it's worth it. See, that makes me want to grow to maturity in him because I want to experience the fullness of him. It makes me want to go to the ends of the earth. It makes me want to tell the whole world. It makes me want to see the world um, renewed in, in the image of God and what he intended. See, I do because of what he's done. How about, how about Peter? Tradition tells us, as it was recorded, that Peter was crucified upside down. You can go read John chapter 21 later, and, and, and it talks about where Peter's asking why John gets to live, and, and he doesn't, and you can see this, but tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy of dying the same way that Jesus died. Now, let me ask you this. If you went to Peter, and you said, Peter, was all the persecution and all of that worth it? Is it worth it, Peter? Would you do it again? What would he say? How about Paul? I do want to read this passage because it blows me away. It blows me away. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, he's defending his apostleship here, his leadership. He says, I'm speaking like a fool. He doesn't want to boast. He doesn't want to do this, but he's like, look, you're falling into their boasting. I want you to understand that I have things to boast about, but he's at the bottom. He tells us the only thing I'm going to boast about is my weaknesses. I also dare to boast 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? He's like, I'm out of my mind talking like this. This is stupid, but for your sake, I'm going to do it. I am more. I've worked much harder. Listen to this. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. What is he talking about? He's talking about being flogged, where they basically stretch you out and they begin to beat your back with, with um, this basically a torture tool that has glass and bone and different things in it that rips your, backs to, your back to shreds. He said, I've been done. That's happened to me five times. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Listen, I don't know about you, but after the first or second shipwreck, I'm not getting back on a boat. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've, I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and yet I do not burn inwardly? What is he saying? He's saying, listen, all this has happened, but let me ask you this. If you went to Paul right now and you said, was it worth it? What's he gonna say? And all that's great and good. We look at these great people. We think about great people of faith and scripture. But is it still worth it today? So is it worth it? still worth it to him let me ask you this Bo has it always been easy has it been tough sometimes is it worth it yeah Steve Deal is it worth it Tanya has it been easy is it worth it Angela Clay absolutely how's it worth it this is what I can promise you right now you will not get to the end of your life having denied yourself, taken up your cross, continued in the presence of Jesus and regret it. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. What is, what's the first step in that? Listen, I believe for us in our culture, 99.99% of us, it comes down to time. It comes down to time. I look at us and I think about how, you ever seen these marathon runners? Like you watch them on TV for the 10 seconds that you can stand it and, and when they're doing the running. Cause who, anybody ever watched a whole marathon? Not unless you wanna take a nap on Sunday afternoon. And so they're running, right? They're running and, and people are holding water out for them. And they'll like run by, they either won't grab it they grab it, take a little sip of it and throw it away or they just take it and throw it in their face. And see, there's so much more discipline to me because I'd be like stopping, <laughs> drinking it, you know. Hey, can I get another one of those? And I'm sure there's some kind of biological athletic reason that they can't just gulp water while they run a marathon. I'm sure there's something there. But for us, listen, we go through life that way with God. It's like God holds out the living water 
but we kind of run in here and we kind of run out. We either don't take it or we take it, we might just throw it on our face and hope it cools us off till next Sunday or whenever we get back. We might take a sip of it. But God wants so much more for us than that. He wants us to be like streams of living water that the, the, the Spirit flows in us and through us and out of us. Listen, if we're going to get to that, we, we, we got to become a people who quit trying to guard our plate and we trust that what's behind the door is worth letting God go. Hey, if we're going to get there, this doesn't need to be there. If we're going to get there, we need to put this there instead. If we're going to get there, and, and, and I want you to have the fullness of life, because like that rich ruler, look, I love you. Then we need to replace some things or remove some things. We need to pull you back into your limitations, and you need to trust me to be the God who does exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine outside of your limitations. I think that's a great first step for us. Maybe we need to pray about that this week. What do I need to simplify? What needs to go? What needs to be replaced? Because I want to continue in his presence. I want to make time to grow to maturity. I want to make time to get out of a dependency model so that I can spend time and grow in Christ myself. I want to pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the good news that God, you made a way for us to come to you. God, I pray that we would be a people who follow, who've counted the cost and God's seen it is so, so worth it. God, help us encourage one another, strengthen one another. Help us strengthen ourselves in you. As we walk this out, God, pursuing the same purpose, pursuing the same goals together as you lead us on this journey together, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name.